words this morning. I hope you will open up your Bibles or open up the app on your phone, however you want to, uh, you know, be with us in the Word of God this morning, that you would do so, and find uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, as it is uh, tucked in, not the middle of the New Testament, those of you with a hard copy, those of you on the phone, it's fairly easy to find it, and so we rejoice with that. But as we get started this morning, I just want to have you write down uh, somewhere, what are you grateful for? How has God given you a blessing recently? So not just, you know, 20 years ago, that's important, you know, not just X amount of years, but recently, how has God blessed you? And those of you who are online, just go ahead and chat that in or send it my way, and uh, I, we will be able to kind of gather this uh, together and share together. So I'm going to give us about, oh, 60 seconds to think through this, start your list with that, and I'll stop talking so you can think. Wait a minute. 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 W
I'm thinking, man, we got God has really shown off. <laughs> no wonder he could do that, you know. Maybe later. <laughs> Laughter is always good, it's not. Others. Yes, garden vegetables for the summer, those of you who can and know how to do that. For those of you who share it with others, like myself, we love it. And uh, we, we are grateful for that. Any others? Yes. All you guys with good arms, good for fudge and the goodies, which you're supposed to pick up today. So uh, that'll be available downstairs. Sandy, your hand was up. December 30th, maybe. Ellie May? Ellie May. May. Ellie May. Wonderful. You have new life. That can breathe new life into those of us who aren't new. Uh, have been around a little longer. Ronnie, passing. For good doctors. For good doctors. I always have to say with Ron's, whenever I call someone Ron, it's always the last name that goes with it because there's too many of the other Ron's around. Yes, new grandbaby, Ella Rose. Mm -hmm. Or don't shoot at me if I call it JJ. Call her JJ. <laughs> you know, that's a little bit of a joke with uh, Maya and I. Healing from past. Do what? She had fun as well. She had fun as well. Sometimes, because she just looks at me like, I tried to tell her Jeremy was a very good girl's name. She said no. So I said, JJ works, you know. <laughs> She still looks at me like a nut. Yeah. Yeah, and others have been doing it for a long time. Others. Alicia. Yes. So, uh, for what? Uh, success for cat trapping. So, a little backstory maybe. Uh, my wife is highly allergic to cats, but she's become St. Paris cat lady extraordinaire. Um, no, uh, her and another individual and many others help uh, take care of the stray cats in our town, in particular Spain, and, and it, other procedures are done. So, you know, hopefully doing as, when I grew up, Price is Right, Bob Barker said, you know, help control the pet population, spay or neuter. We're trying to make sure that St. Paris doesn't have cats longer than uh, there are humans around here. So, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for sounds of little ones. Amen. Yeah. Little Isla back there. Okay. I'm truly very thankful for Alicia and her cat therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when cats really take over in our town, and for someone to take that responsibility on, we never had that for you guys, Katie. And I'm very thankful for Alicia for that because that blesses the whole community. Amen to that. Yes, Mr. Gunn.
people. So for the prayers being answered, in particular, George Smith, who's been on our list, I think it's still on our list. Maybe yet he's still there, at least on my fear, and uh, being able to walk, walk back into church with that. Still have your old dog. Wonderful. Absolutely. So just the blessing. And we need to be reminded because, you know, being thankful is hard. Being thankful isn't always natural. Being grateful takes work. And in fact, many of us know this to be true. Um, if we are not careful, the negative events of a day will overrun your brain and your mind. And we have many uh, things in our world that are negative. Being thankful is not forgetting about the negative, as we will see this morning. Our world will, will try to uh, tell us all the negative, and if we are not careful, we get sucked into that rabbit hole. Yet, our minds have been created by God in a very beautiful way that if we take the time to focus on the good, that is a round. This isn't, let's make up something good that's not there, but if we open ourselves to the good that is around, we can save it. I'm a coffee drinker, my cup's down there. There's two ways I drink coffee. One, I just drink it. I consume it. And when I consume coffee, it really doesn't matter what kind of coffee I have. McDonald's coffee is about the same as Wyman's coffee, which is about the same as grinding my own beans and, and brewing it myself. Now, some of you are going, kind of, Ron just had this face back there on the camera. How dare you? How dare I say such a thing? But if you're just consuming it like you consume water, there's not much difference at the core. Then there's another way of drinking coffee, and that is when I savor each drink, each bowl. And that is when you find out that, oh, there's a world of difference between McDonald's coffee and Wyman's coffee. There's a world of difference between Colombian coffee and Guatemalan coffee. There's a world of difference between Arabic coffee and others. In fact, when I savor a cup of coffee, I can, I am a coffee snob, I admit, you all know this, I can tell how it was brewed most of the time. Whether it was drip coffee, like what we make downstairs for Sunday school, whether it, it was made at a coffee shop, which is different, if it's been sitting on a burner for hours, or if it was done one of my favorite ways that I don't do much because it takes too much work, a French press. You bet, you know where I was headed with that. See, Alan and I are alike. You know, we, we won't go there. But, but I can tell you the difference in what is there. And so for most of you, you get a bag of coffee or a box or a pail. You don't ever read what the flavorings are supposed to be because we really just want coffee sometimes. But like Ron McCandy or, or Calvin, myself, and others, we will read those things and go, yeah, I want a nutty flavor today. I want something that's not as uh, flavorful today. You know, 
and, and I lost half of you because you're like, this really is not, I'm not sure how that works in any way. It works. It's similar. Because if I don't stop and focus, I miss all the coffee has to offer. I can consume it and we'll get its effects. But if I don't sit and take notice and be intentional, I will miss. And as we open up the word of God this morning to 1 Thessalonians, this is what I think Paul is trying to say. As he brings some final instructions, it sounds like a hodgepodge of rat bag stuff. Like he's just picking from a grocery store. I mean, little this, little that. Hey, let me get this in here. Hey, don't forget that. But I think he's explicitly intentional for the writer, the hearers of Thessalonica, for you and me, some many years later. This isn't just, these things would be nice. It is an intentional saying, if you savor these things, life will be different. And different in a way that will help you to understand who Christ is, but also to show Christ into our world. And so we read things like this. Now we ask of you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who do the ministry, the hard ministry among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you, encourage you in the Lord. Hold them up in highest respect and love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brothers and sisters, also to warn those who are idle and disruptive, to encourage the disheartened, to help the weak, and to do all this with patience. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always striving to do what is good for each other in the church, but also for everyone else that you will come into contact with. Persevere in rejoicing. Persevere in praying. Persevere in giving thanks in all things. For this is God's will for you. In the Lord. Do not quench the Holy Spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt, but instead test all things. Hold on to what is good and reject what is not good. The word of the Lord this morning has become and this Sunday before Thanksgiving. And we understand that being thankful is hard, but if we start to do these things that are laid out in this passage, I think gratitude will start to percolate up. It will be different. And so let me just try to quickly go through this passage this morning. And I want to quickly get through my first point because it is a little self-serving. We are to respect those who do the ministry. The ministry of the Lord is something that we ought to respect those who do. And I'm not saying we don't do that well. But we need to be reminded. I'm not saying, Paul's not saying that the church wasn't already doing this, but it's a way of saying, this is what is important. Don't forget these things. In uh, another way of thinking of this passage, Eliana is learning phonics at school. She's learning grammar. And last time she uh, was telling me the sounds of words and how certain sounds had to go in certain ways, you know, uh, she was really upset that uh, you could spell things with one letter because she said, no, you always have to have a middle sound. And I'm like, the teacher's teaching you these things. Your teachers understand that? However, if uh, those of you who are past kindergarten, okay, which I think is all of us here except Isla back there, you know, we don't think anymore about word sounds. 
We don't think about how to form words. It becomes natural. I think to some extent, that's what Paul is saying here. You've got to be like a kindergarten with these things, and then it will be natural as you go on. But if you don't be intentional to begin with, you may learn the wrong way, and practice makes permanent. Not always perfect. And he's saying, respect those who do the ministry. This isn't just leaders that have a status, by a, a function of a, an office, but those who do the work. Ron Clutter at our last meeting mentioned some things that, uh, you know, uh, and asking us as a church to remember those who do ministry. Just this week I got emails from the Barna Group that does research. And their latest research says 39% of pastors right now have thought about quitting ministry and never going back. Strongly thought of it. I don't say that to say, so you look at me and go, well, is he? No, that's not the case. But we need to understand there is an underlying scourge going below us of pastors, people called into the ministry who are saying, I'm done doing the work of ministry. It's just too hard. And I think some of that is what Paul is trying to say here. He's saying, acknowledge, but also encourage them in their work. When's the last time you prayed for another pastor besides myself? By name. I've done 15 funerals this year. I hope no more. That Pastor Ed Solomon, who's on our list for this uh, this month, I can tell you almost with certainty he's done more than 15 funerals this year. I've done the majority of my funerals for people outside of the church. He's done the majority of his funerals for people in his church. What if we, as individuals here, don't just pray for me. Pray for me. I need all the prayers I can get. That's my wife. Okay. But what if we took on the names of praying by name, the names of the pastors around us and in our association? Because I can tell you, though I haven't known all of my uh, funerals by name, every time I do one for someone I know, it's harder and harder and harder. And I know Pastor Ed's heart. Will you pray for him just this week? By name. And some of you know of other pastors, but you have a relationship with them. Yes, pray for Pastor Ken and Pastor Paul and Pastor Jim, but not, and, and Ron, Pastor Ron, our associate. Nothing against them, any prayers too, but they're not actively in the work of ministry much anymore. That's, that's great. But pray for those who are by name. Paul says over and over again, do pray for me in ministry. And how can you do that besides prayer? Notice here what he says, brothers and sisters. Verse 14, we urge you to warn those who are idle and disrupted, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. If we're not careful, one of the ways we discourage those doing the work of ministry is we make them think that it's only their work to do. One of the, the key premises of Baptist life, why I'm a Baptist, is this idea of priesthood of all believers, or I would say the pastorhood of all believers. If you think I am supposed to do something, which I am, then let me also respectfully say back that is your job as well. 
I'm not saying we don't do that and we don't do that well. We do. But let us remember the work of ministry is to be done by all. Not any one person gets off the hook. And in the American church, I've, I've heard it from churches that I have pastored. I've heard it sometimes jokingly, but sometimes not so jokingly. And it's a, it is in, endemic of our American Western life, where we will say to a minister, to someone who's doing the work of ministry, that's what we pay you to do. I remember one time I was going to ministry, and I admit it was halfway jokingly. When, when uh, I was a part of the gathering and knew I was a pastor, and they said, well, Pat, Jeremy, you pray, because that's what we pay you to do. Oh, if I liked conflict, I would have said something. Instead, I just prayed. But we can do this in our churches. It's, it's, it's part of what uh, is, is bred into our American culture, that we hire someone to do that. Gone are the days where that should be so. I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm not. Please hear that. I'm saying, I'm tired of you saying it. I know, but some, someone will tell me this thing about that. I want you to hear that. But for generations to come, the church never pays a pastor. It only recognizes the call of God on that pastor's life and support them in life. You Respectfully, I say, you are not my boss, church. Okay, the Lord's my boss. But hear that, you're not my boss. And we do this together. And that's what he said, everybody do it together. And whatever we do, do good. Don't just be about the work. Don't just be about correcting people with idleness. Okay, we ought to do that, but we do it in a good manner. We do it with a good heart. And it's easy to do that with people we know, right? I mean, it's easy for me to do good to Jevin. And I hope it's easy for Jevin to do good to me. He has, you know. Uh, but because he knows me. He knows I'm a little off and crazy. You know, I know he's quite a bit crazy and off, right, Jordan? Did you just say amen? <laughs> amen. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> All right. So, you know, wait, wait a minute. That was about me, wasn't it? It was about both. Oh, okay. <laughs> Aubrey? You were my favorite Aubrey. <laughs> you know. Uh, <clears throat> no. But, but when we know someone, it is easier to do good. When we know someone, we give them the benefit of the doubts. I know that they probably didn't mean what the way it came out. You know, and that is true of all. But notice what he says here. He doesn't just say, do good to those who are in your church. He says, do good for everyone else. A reminder, and I think we need this reminder. I need this reminder every single week. People are not our enemies. People are not who we are against. The world will divide, and it's easy to be divided. It's easy to see someone do something wrong and talk about how awful they are, 
how evil they are, but I'm reminded, I think Paul was reminded of the words of Jesus who said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. People are not our enemies. We may attack ideas, we can attack uh, belief systems, but we cannot attack people. As the old saying goes, you can attract flies from honey as well as bitter. And sometimes we, as the people of God, have been known to attack our enemies and to use the same power the world around us uses to force, to coerce, and enforce people to do what we think is right. But Paul says, do good. Be patient with everyone. Be patient and do good. Which leads us to the next kind of segment of these reminders as Paul wraps up his letter to the Thessalonica church. He says this, persevere in rejoicing. It says rejoice always. It says pray continually. But we need to see, I think the better word, the better understanding is to persevere because this means that sometimes it's not natural. Sometimes we don't want to, but we can keep moving forward in these things. Persevere and rejoicing. It doesn't say be joyful. That's almost, we, we see that as being kind of happy. It's an emotional. Sometimes I'm not joyful, especially before the first cup of coffee. All right? But I can choose to rejoice. One, that I have a cup of coffee coming. Okay? I can persevere and pray. It means at times I don't want to pray. I don't know how to pray. I just wish I didn't have to pray. But I persevere forward in prayer. And he says, persevere in giving thanks. And it says here, give thanks in all things. It says, don't give, it's not give thanks, not for, but in. So we're not giving thanks that something necessarily happened. If you read the, the letter of Thessalonians, it talks about there's, they're worried about those who have died in the faith. He's not saying, be thankful they die. He, he gives them some information, but he says, in their death, be, give, continue to give thanks. Because he's saying, look at what Christ is doing. I can be grateful in something because of who Christ is, not because that thing has happened. I can be, I want to be ungrateful, but I can find something because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done, because of the promises of Christ, where I can still give thanks in all things, even though I don't want all things. And that is a very small line I believe. But if we start to practice it now, then sometimes we may, we may be able to do it when no one else thinks we can do it. Or we can give things in things, not because of things. And for some of you, you're not ready to do that, so I encourage you to persevere for it. And he said, this is God's will for your life. Let me just keep moving on. Leave room for the Spirit. So don't quench the Spirit, but, but, but I think what we need to understand is Paul's not just saying uh, put a cap up, don't put a cap on the Spirit, but see, for some of us, we want to be 
taken such control of every single detail that we don't leave room for the Spirit. We are so much in control of life, but we try to be in control of life, and we have it all planned out, that we even forget that as the people of God, we are to leave room for the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit wants to do. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't like plan. Absolutely, the Holy Spirit likes plan. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will ruin our plan. And this is where we need to leave room for the Spirit. We need to be open to the fact there are going to be things that we can't control. But we know someone who can. And maybe sometimes when we leave room for the Spirit, we realize the best plans that we had weren't really as good as what God intended. So leave room for the Spirit, but in all things, test the Spirit with Scripture. Talks about don't treat prophecies with contempt, contempt but test them. We, we know that the only truly uh, in air inspired word of God is the word of God. But you know what? I do believe I'm inspired by the Holy Spirit every Sunday when I preach. As any other pastor may not say, but truly are. We, we, we pray and we think that the Lord is, through the Spirit, trying to give us something that will make sense to somebody. Each and every week. But my words aren't on par with Scripture's words. Neither were the prophecies of Paul's day. They weren't on par with the revelation of God. But we can't just not listen either. And for some, the struggle is in our day where some of you are watching us online, some of you will watch me online. We can watch the best speakers around the nation. Man, look there. Never before have we had a time when you could watch the best of the best every week. And I would encourage you to do that. And you know what? The struggle with that is there's many of us that are mediocre at best who sometimes will hear, sometimes in a very encouraging way, why can't you preach like so-and-so? Really, thanks. Love you too. One, I'm not them. Two, for some of them, they've been preaching longer than I've been alive. For two, for some of the great preachers that we've heard, they don't have to preach two to three different lessons and messages a week, which I typically do, at least two when I teach you. They don't have to do that. There was comments about George Whitfield, a pastor that was friends with Ben Franklin in the early days of our nation. George Whitfield would go and go around the America at time preaching. And a lot of people loved his messages. Ben Franklin was one of those. Though Benjamin Franklin didn't necessarily believe. He was very much a skeptic. But he would say, I, I can tell you when I hear a message that has been delivered before, because it's a little bit better. And there were pastors around the time George Whitfield would come and they would cringe. I know the feeling. Because, you know, he was a great preacher and they were happy for him, but they knew that their people would be like, wow. What a great message he delivered. Man, I'm just inspired. Sometimes the pastor is plodding along every single week trying to figure out something to give.
to the people that it's spoken for. So, wow, yeah, I know it was great, but you know, I tried the same thing. I'm getting a little too self-serving, probably. I apologize. But one last thought on that. No one knows you as well as I do. No one, no preacher you can listen to online will know you like a pastor who will just stand beside you. That's why we have local churches and not just local churches. And you know what? If you want to pray this week, we did Advent this week, and I know you all love Advent. You love Christmas. There's nothing like the Christmas story as your pastor. Yeah, there's nothing like the Christmas story except what do you say about the Christmas story? That, that, that you don't just blow me off. Of. He's just preaching Advent again. It's just the Christmas story again. There's nothing new under the sun, but man, Advent is the hardest time to preach. Period. That's why I'm still struggling. Like, what do we do for Advent? I don't know. Yeah, I think. Would you pray for clarity this week on that? Do you realize that when I preach here, I preach typically 50 different messages a year? Just on Sunday mornings, Monday, Thursday, and Christmas Eve. That doesn't include teaching class. If you don't know the work of that, go stop Pastor Ken, Pastor Paul, and Pastor Bob. And, and just know those things. But test everything I say. Test it with scripture, but I hope that you will test against my motive and my purpose, which is always to do good. I don't do this self-seeking. I don't do this, nor should anybody else do the work then just for the sake of doing it, but for true encouragement. And when we do these things, we will be able to rejoice always, to always be persevering in prayer, and to give thanks in all because then we will live out the will of God. So where do I want you to focus this week? Focus above all to Christ. Christ, who Paul will now say, Christ, who will now, he will now say this, may him, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body, everything about you be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. See, when you and I, above all, look to Christ, we will see we can do this this day. We pray with me, Father God, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for how we are going to worship you still. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us as we do this. That we would uh, just give you all that we are. Lord, that we would give you our hearts this morning, our souls this morning, our minds this morning, so that we may persevere when we don't want to persevere. That you would strengthen us in that. That we can persevere in rejoicing, persevere in prayer, and persevere in giving thanks all of us. In all things. Not because we like it, but because we know you are above all things. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us as we our formal time of worshiping together, that we would do so in spirit and in truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
When you say, I'm going to sing the song we had scheduled to sing earlier, here's my heart as a response. So if you can stand with me if you're able to, and let's